All right. Boys, are you ready? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Bedtime story, Adventure 2018. Chapter 10. Jenny was almost out of Preston Park, leaving the wolf and the mercenary rats to fight it out by the clock tower. James was right behind her. When they got to the road, they'd have to go back toward town to avoid the black car. As she ran past the last tree before the road, a dark arm grabbed her and pulled her into the shadow of the trunk. No talking, the voice whispered, or they'll hear. Jenny looked ahead and saw the big man from the car standing on the far side of the road looking out into the park. He hadn't seen them. Yet. Elf, Jenny said, twisting to see who'd grabbed her. Quiet, Elf said. Don't move. Elf left Jenny and caught James as he ran past. Follow me, she whispered. She led them up through the trees, parallel to the road and past the big man. When they reached the end of the trees, they hurried to a narrow path between tall hedges that ran past the velodrome to the top corner of the park. No one said a word as they went. Elf walked fast until they reached the end of the path. She stopped, and Jenny and James stayed behind her. Then, a black and white cat appeared from the hedge, holding something in its mouth. It was the end of a rope. Elf took it, and the cat slinked silently back into the hedge. Elf gave a few tugs on the rope, and to Jenny's surprise, a tiny dog appeared. Take my arm, Elf said. Jenny took it. Act normal. The three children and the tiny dog walked as normally as they could out of Preston Park. They crossed the road at a pedestrian crossing. Elf led them down Surrenden Road to a bus stop next to St Mary's Church. She tied the dog's lead to the bus stop seat, pulled the dog treat out of her pocket, and gave it to the little dog. Good boy, she said. Then to the children, What are you doing here? It's too dangerous to be poking round my old house. What are we doing here? James said. I could ask you the same question. It's good to see you, Elf, Jenny said quickly. We've missed you. The small girl nodded in agreement. Whose dog is that? James asked. I don't know, but they're looking for a girl and a cat, not three children walking a dog. She gave the dog another treat from her pocket. Claudia will take care of it. Do you have time to talk? I've really got to get home, James said. I'm still feeling pretty weak, and I don't want to be double late. Will I be okay walking from here? Yes, Elf said. They're watching the house and the park, but you should be fine from here. Just don't go sneaking into anywhere on the way. I won't, James said with a grin. I've had enough excitement for one day, and I'd like to live at least until tomorrow. Jenny gave him a hug, and he crossed the road, leaving the two girls at the bus stop. And you? Elf asked. Do you have to go too? Not yet, but you could come over to mine and talk. My mum won't mind. She won't even notice. I can't. I don't want to get you into any more trouble. The pigeons are watching. Always. Jenny had a thought. Let's take the bus. We can stay on it till it turns round in Hollingbury and ride it back past my house. Elf agreed. A few minutes later they were upstairs at the back of a double-decker bus. What's wrong with James? Elf asked. He didn't look right. Well, 
I don't think he's quite forgiven you for rigging the grotto tickets two years ago, Jenny said with a smile. But he was going to do it himself. And he got the telescope, didn't he? That's what you wanted. I know. He was very pleased, really. Just surprised you did it. He's recovering from a snake bite. You know Rask? What? Elf went white. He was bitten by Rask? And he's alive? I didn't think that was possible. I don't think it really is possible. He's very lucky. Unlucky to meet Rask, if you ask me. Why are you back? Jenny asked. I mean, why did you leave so suddenly, and where have you been for two years? Jenny looked at the face of the girl she'd known. The last time she'd seen Elf, she was nine years old. Now she was eleven, but with her short hair and worried eyes, she looked older, much older. It is a long story, but I guess that's why we're sitting on the bus. It all started when my parents moved to Brighton two and a half years ago. For the next half an hour, Elf told her story as the bus wound its way up and then down to Hollingbury Asda, its final stop. The girls ignored the driver's call, and still Elf's story went on. It wasn't until the bus got going again that Jenny spoke. I can't believe it, she said. Neither can I, but here I am, Elf shrugged, back where it all started. It was an unbelievable tale filled with unbelievable acts of bravery and courage from the small French girl. Jenny tried to remember as much as she could, as she knew that once he was feeling better, James would be desperate to hear about the adventures of Elf. It had started just before Christmas, two years ago. That was when Elf's parents disappeared. This wasn't unusual. They were antique traders and often left Elf alone for days and days when they travelled to Europe for fairs and auctions. But this time was different. Elf came home from school one day and they were simply gone. No note or message or money for food. Nothing. After a week, Elf started to worry. Claudia, her cat, who was an important cat around Brighton, said that she should probably stay and help James and Jenny on their adventures, while she, the cat, did some investigating. Claudia, while also helping James and Jenny in their fight against King Pigeon, had found out very little. The only possible lead, or interesting information, was a small rumour among the ship rats of Shoreham that a powerful artefact that had been all but forgotten had been rediscovered. Elf and Claudia posited that her parents had unknowingly purchased or come into possession of something that had got them in trouble. They went through all of her parents' work papers and documents to try and find out what it was that they might have accidentally bought. In the end, their search was fruitless. The only thing they found of any use was a notebook that listed all of the locations where her parents had bought, sold or kept antiques. It was a lot of places, in lots of cities, in a lot of countries. Apparently, to avoid steep import and export duties, it was prudent to store a lot of items in the country they were purchased or acquired. This meant lots of storage boxes and warehouses were registered in her parents' names. The one other thing that Elf found was money. Paper money, and lots of it. She knew her parents often paid in cash, and sometimes they bought and sold expensive items. She had the money, and she had the notebook filled with locations. So on Christmas Day, 
when Jenny would have been opening her presents, Elf and Claudia set out on a journey away from Brighton that lasted nearly two years. The first year took Elf back to France, then to Italy, then upward through Switzerland and Germany. It had been hard work finding warehouses and trying to break in. Usually, inside they would find nothing or some boring furniture. They certainly didn't find anything that could have been a powerful artefact. After that year, they had been to almost all the locations in the notebook. It looked like she would have to give up and be an orphan. Then, in the March of this year, in a freezing Hamburg warehouse by the docks, in the last location in the notebook, they found an old Napoleonic desk. It was just another bit of 200-year-old expensive furniture, and it was all that was in the small space rented by her parents at the German dock. Elf had been desperate. This was the end of her search, and she was convinced that she would never find out what happened to her parents. Crying and upset, she spent the night sleeping under the antique desk, not wanting to think about the next steps in her life. When she woke up, she'd forgotten where she was, and, thinking she was in bed, she'd sat up and hit her head on the underside of the desk. It was painful, but along with the thump of her skull hitting the wood, she heard a click. Claudia heard it too. They spent the next half an hour carefully scrutinising every inch of the antique. She took the drawers out, tried to unscrew the legs, felt along every edge and every surface for a hidden compartment. Finally, Claudia found it, a tiny mark on the bottom of one of the drawers. By putting a finger on the mark and pushing it in, the wood flexed just enough, and then you could slide the opposite side away to reveal a thin cavity a space with just enough room to hide another, thinner notebook. This one, like the first, also had locations rented or owned by her parents. Elf excitedly looked through it, but it turned out that almost all of them she'd already visited. Except for one. It had the usual notation for a rented store. But the location was just two names, not an address at all. It had simply said, Idefjord and Gravlingsson. It had taken them six full months to track down the location. It was a small town on the border between Sweden and Norway, and it was not a space in a warehouse like Elf had thought. Gravlingsson was a man, an old man who ran a small antique shop in Fredrikston, Norway. When Elf arrived and told him who she was, he didn't seem surprised and merely opened a drawer in his desk and handed over a small, brown paper-wrapped package. Before opening it, Elf inspected it carefully. She found that the package had been sent from a post office in Brighton. Gravlingson said that along with the package was 200 euros, a payment in exchange for him keeping the package safe. He said that her parents had once bought a chair from him in auction, so although it was an unusual request, he felt obliged to honour it. It was after she took possession of the package that trouble started. When she and Claudia left Gravlingson's, they were followed. They were staying in a small room rented above a cafe, and that night a fire started and burned the whole building to the ground. If Claudia hadn't been awake and watching through the window, Elf would have perished. 
As it was, she and Claudia escaped, and that started a deadly chase that led them all the way back to Brighton. Incredible, Jenny said, as the bus heaved its way up Braben Avenue. What was in the package? Elf put her hand in her coat and pulled out a worn, brown paper-wrapped package. She carefully opened it and slid the contents out onto her lap. It was simply a small, light brown wooden box, about the size of a matchbox but square on the end. It was beautifully made with perfect joints between the tiny panels. Elf shook it and it rattled softly. There was something inside. She handed it to Jenny. What's inside? Jenny asked, carefully inspecting the box for a hinge or a door. I don't know, but look. Elf turned the box in Jenny's hand, and there, on the corner of one of the smooth wooden sides, was a mark. Jenny held it to her face and turned to Elf. It wasn't just one mark. It was three tiny claw marks, just like the ones on the badger stone.